hold on to your butt. I'm, of course, surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Woe is us! We're in a lot of trouble! In politics, man must learn to rise above principle. What the hell are we doing here? We are behaving the way a superpower ought to behave. Well, our behavior has produced some crappy results. What we're witnessing now is the failure of the state. It is a death struggle for our republic. Giving voice to liberty in our time. I'm Joey Clark. You're listening to the Joey Clark Radio Hour. And as always, on Mondays, unless he's out on the injured reserve, Troy. Hey, what's up, man? Hey, buddy. Big day. It was a big day today. It was a big day. It was some bombshells. Yeah. You texted me. We're like, this is some WWE stuff. Right. But it's the highest levels of politics. uh, It will be. Hannity's going to turn heel. Yeah, and before we get to Hannity turning heel, this song, you introduced it to me, so introduce it to our audience. This is The Parlor Mob. Is it Tide of Tears? Tide of Tears, yes, yeah. by The Parlor Mob. It came out 10 years ago. Yeah. 2008 was 10 years ago? Yeah, it's weird, right? It is odd. But to me, it sounds like it came out, like I feel like Prince would have covered this song. Oh, yeah. This is like the perfect song for Prince to cover. Because he can hit those highs, and he could probably rip a better guitar solo than these guys rip. That's true. But these guys rip a pretty damn good one, and we'll hit that going to the break. It's tasty. It's so good. It's dramatic. But yes, so Trump's lawyer, Michael Cohen... I guess last week he was raided mm-hmm. by the FBI, by the Southern District of New York, by order of the U.S. Attorney, who got word from Rosenstein and Mueller that, hey, look into this. Yeah. And supposedly do with uh, federal elections uh, fraud, like finance fraud, and the Stormy Daniels thing. Well, you look into where the money is coming from, I guess, is what it is. But as far as I know, you don't raid attorneys' offices unless it's, like, solid. A really good reason, and it's um, people think that they were actually, Cohen in particular has been under surveillance for a little while. Yeah. And it's like, damn. And even Alan Dershowitz, who I would respect, has said this is a pretty scary day for lawyers and attorney-client privilege. But like you said... I don't think this happens unless they have a damn good reason, especially when it's the personal attorney of the president of the United States. I don't care who that president is. It's just like this is a big effing deal. Mm -hmm. So we come to today where Cohen's own... It's bad when lawyers are getting lawyers. When Cohen's own lawyer in court today is essentially arguing uh, attorney-client privilege, that you need to give back a lot of these documents. And I think actually at the end of the day... They are being allowed to look over and claim what is privileged. They gave them back the stuff they took, and they're now able to look at it and claim this is privileged, this is privileged, this is privileged. That's, the, I think, the outcome of today's court hearing. But there was also something very big that happened in the court hearing because Cohen was having to establish that I am, in fact, a practicing attorney. 
That's what you have to show in order to get attorney-client privilege. And they're like, if your only client is Mr. Trump and you've never done any actual legal cases for him... His second client was actually the ex-head of the GOP finance. Oh, really? Wow. Broidy, I think it is. Or okay. Boydy. Okay. Yeah, that that's where... $1.6 million went to a playmate for her to get an abortion and to hush the oh, thing. Oh, my. Yeah. And then they wouldn't release the third name. And if they if they had, had just taken the names, and I can't remember what they're called, but it's a group of people that are attorneys, but they're like outside of the court. They're uh, U.S. federal prosecutors. They look at what is attorney-client pr- privilege, and they there's a good chance they would have determined that Hannity's got nothing to do with it. Right. So his name wouldn't have been released at all. But since Cohen didn't want to release it... Well, and the lawyer of Trump's lawyer was... All, their argument is we don't want a bunch of prosecutors in the middle of a special counsel investigation. To, the prosecutors are going to so, be on the side of prosecuting. That was their argument. And I think they, at the end of the day, they are able to look at it themselves and say... But the very fact that in order to establish you are an attorney... They want to say the third client is anonymous. We're going to keep it anonymous. Mm-hmm. And this judge, Kimba, Kimba Wood, Wood uh, said, nope, you have to give out the name. And the name they dropped, Sean Hannity. The most popular TV show host on the most popular political TV network you know, in the country. It's strange. I had, on a personal note, the chance to meet Sean Hannity. And I was not interested. But my mother... Her best friend at Jeff Davis when she was in high school here in Montgomery was named Jill Rhodes. Her name is now Jill Hannity. I think they live next to Billy Joel or something. This is, I mean, this might be old information. Maybe they've moved. I don't know. Maybe they're not even a couple anymore. I don't know. I don't care. I'm not going either way with it. But I just... She's your mom's best friend from high school and they kind of lost married to Hannity? Yeah, and they kind of lost touch throughout college um and then they reconnected and uh, especially when my mom got sick she reached out. Uh, I would love to know what she thinks about Hannity being the third person on that list of people. Oh yeah. I would love to hear that. Well, and Hannity claims everything I asked Cohen to do has nothing to do with a third party. That was the immediate question, was mm-hmm. Cohen fixing things for Hannity with, like, women who were accusing him. Because, I don't know, Bill O'Reilly, we were talking about this off-air, Bill O'Reilly was taken down by sexual harassment accusations and whatnot, and he was gone quickly. Mm-hmm. Hannity was accused, but Hannity said, I'm going to fight, and it kind of went away. So it makes me wonder. I think Bill O'Reilly actually did some stuff. I think Bill O'Reilly did stuff and didn't even know he was doing stuff. I think he's that old. <laughs> well, I mean... He, you know he, what I mean? He probably... I mean, he wielded so much power at his right. fingertips, in a sense, that he probably just didn't care. So folks immediately thought, oh, this Hannity got Cohen to help him out with some woman it accusing doesn't, him. It doesn't help that Cohen, literally all he does... Is that sort of thing. I mean, yeah, the two previous clients you've got Trump with Stormy Daniels, which he sort of fixed, in a way. Right. Um, and then you've got the ex-head of the... GOP finance, who paid $1.6 million. Though, I want to go back to this angle. I think trying to silence somebody by paying them, it's but it's an agreement. They act like, okay, if there was actual intimidation, fair enough. That Non-disclosure agreements are not legally binding if they're asking you to break the law. Right. Well, fair enough. Absolutely. But if it's just which keep is, quiet. Right. Which is why non-disclosure agreements for Michigan State's case with Larry Nasser just right. went out the window. Right. 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 So, 
okay, but my point of view is this. Stormy Daniels in her own interview said that when she she met Trump, she kind of told him off, said, you know, you talk about yourself a lot. What? Yeah, you talk about yourself. Oh, no, I don't. No, no. But she, yeah, you do. In fact, I want to take that magazine with you on the cover. I think it was Fortune. I'm going to spank you. Oh, no, don't do that. And, like, she's in, pull your pants down, I'm going to spank you. And apparently he did, and it was a quick smack or two on the bottom. It wasn't, like, actual sexual anything. Maybe it was. I don't know. But he pulled his pants back up, and they kept talking. She finally says, I need to go to the bathroom. He's like, oh, yeah, through my suite. Yeah, right through through my bedroom. And she goes to the bathroom, and when she gets out of the bathroom, Trump is sort of sitting on the edge of the bed. Like, oh, look at us here. What a weird scenario this is. She Essentially, she didn't give a lot of details, but she could tell... All of that was very specific. Yeah, like, she could tell he wanted to hook up. And then the interviewer, I think it was Anderson Cooper, said, are you a victim? She's like, no, I'm absolutely not a victim. The sex was completely consensual, and it happened one time. But were you attracted to him? No. So why would you have sex with a guy you're not attracted to? Oh, he's a famous billionaire. Keep that one in my back pocket. And I'm not saying that Trump's a victim. Trump brought it on himself. Any powerful guy or any... I don't know, though Bill Burr has a great point about this. Like, with Arnold Schwarzenegger or Tiger Woods. Yeah, he brings up Tiger Woods. It's like the guy at the Home Depot who works the forklift. Honest job, can pay the bills, can pay the mortgage. But any type of guy like that who's like, oh, what an awful person Tiger Woods is. What a terrible person Arnold Schwarzenegger is. It's like, you don't know. Yeah, you work at Home Depot picking up pallets of wood and other various items. What would you do if you had 15 Swedish models meeting you after 18 holes of golf every day? Or people are approaching you and propositioning you every day. And Arnold and I guess Tiger are good-looking guys by some standards. But Trump? Really? So I don't know. I feel like all the parties involved knew what they were doing. And this has only risen to the level of news because it might lead to some criminal violation by Trump's, the president's lawyer. I mean, he is the president of the United States. Right. Well, the, the only difference between this and Bill Clinton is Bill did it when he was in office. Right. And But even I look at that and I'm like, okay, you start a special counsel thing based on some law firm in Arkansas. What was it the Whitehall or something like that? I don't know. That's how it got started in the 90s, over some corruption problem. And then it leads to the blue dress and the whole Monica Lewinsky thing. And Bill Jefferson Clinton, B.J. Clinton, gets caught lying. You did that on purpose, didn't you? Oh, absolutely. That was great. I had to set it up, though. I didn't just want to throw out B.J. Clinton thinking, oh, that dirty boy. It's like, no, it's Bill Jefferson Clinton. Mm -hmm. No reason to call him William. We're all casual with Bill at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, he seems like the kind of guy you'd be casual with. Matter of fact, he probably says cash. Yeah, he probably does. He probably shortens it up. So, Bill, since we're cash, you can give me the deets. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I can give you the deets. The long and the short of it. Oh, have you ever been to Arkansas? They have excellent melons. <laughs> huge, huge watermelons. Cantaloupe, honeydew, honeydew. Um, 
But yeah, I remember looking back in the Bill Clinton stuff. I'm like, I don't care. Only person who should really care is Hillary, Melania. Maybe they knew what they're getting into. I don't know if, but, if, you know. if Hillary feels. Oh, really? I think that was crushed out of her a long time ago. Uh, yeah, it makes sense. And if that I'm Melania, sense. I'm probably getting tired of feeling too. Oh, the weirdest thing I've seen in the last week or two, as I was hosting for the award-winning host Baron Coleman, who claims, he claims, he has the best bumper music on News Talk. Does he have Tide of Tears? No, he does not. Well, no, he does not. So we'll let it speak for itself. Just, it, it just, you put him in check. And actually, I'm more than willing to admit. I say, I said this the other day. I say this all the time. He is the champ right now. He's won an Abbey Award. He just was given a great certificate of, I don't know, note. Wasn't the key to the city, but the mayor and the city council's like, great job on the award. I mean, he is the champ right now. He's going strong. I mean, Greg Budell has won three of those things. Yeah. And, you know, I'm only, I'm not even a year into this. But, Baron, you are the champ. But I'm coming for you. Oh, I'm coming for you. I don't put down my potential opponents, my competitors. I lift them up so that everybody knows when I take them down, who's the real champ. Too many people put down the other side. Yeah. Lift them up, then beat them. You know, one of my favorite phrases is, you can't get ahead of somebody by getting even. Mm. So you just got to up your bumper music game, bro. I know, I agree. But he has three hours. I've only got this one. And I'm sticking with Tide of Tears. That's a good song. On the parlor mob. You sent it to me. You sent it to me again. It's like, make sure you listen to this. <laughs> and I did listen. And it's really good. I figured the first time I sent it, I, I was like, you know, he's going to listen to the first 10 seconds. He's going to be like, what is this? Slow? <laughs> and so I made the ad sure it was a slow burn because it built up. And I thought, hmm. But I'm maybe sitting, I didn't impress upon him. But I'm sitting here thinking, okay, I don't care about Donald Trump's sexual escapade or Bill Clinton's or as long as they're not breaking the law. And even when they are breaking the law, I really don't care. I expect them to break the law. When James Comey compared Donald Trump to the mob, like, you know, loyalty oaths, so much loyalty that it puts to the organization that it puts the organization above her morality. Like, wait, James, are, are you describing the Trump operation the FBI, or just government in general, <laughs> or, or the mob, or maybe all of those. I don't know, libertarians have been calling the governments of the world a gang of thieves large and comparing them to the mob for, I think, a century now. So welcome to the party, James. I feel like there's only so many sort of gentlemen's agreements that you can have in terms of how something is run before someone shows up and just completely mm. doesn't run things the way that they're supposed to be run. Like... For a long time now, I thought we've had too much power in the executive branch. And it's taken someone like Donald yeah. Trump to hopefully show the country just what happens when you wield it in a way that he does. But here's the problem, man. It's it's that partisan hypocrisy that's built into the system where they call the other side hypocrites while they themselves are being hypocrites. So it's a wash. Like I saw Jesse Waters on Fox earlier today saying... All these people that are criticizing Trump for striking Syria without congressional approval, where were they? Where? 
where were they when Obama sent warplanes and bombed Gaddafi in Libya? They're being hypocritical. Like, so are you. Because I believe you criticized Obama back then, Jesse. So was Trump. He literally criticized the president for going into Libya without congressional authorization. Now, I will admit, the strike in Syria though unnerved me. I don't like flirting with nuclear war. We talked about this last time. There is a deconfliction agreement with Russia. <laughs> the United States, or one of our people... It's a 24-hour hotline. ...called them and said, We're, we and France and the UK are about to bomb certain areas. They didn't say where they were going to bomb, though. All but, they said was yeah. clear the airspace. Clear it. Get your guys out of there. Anything you really find valuable, get it out. And they did. And I think they tried to shoot things down. Now, there, it's funny. It depends on who, who you, you ask. Like, did some missiles get intercepted? Did none? Did they not even know? I mean, the breadth and depth of the attack, even though it's 100-something missiles, it's coming from all different angles from around the world. It shows the, well, military empire the United States has built up, whether through allies or through actually having bases all over the world. We can strike from almost every corner of the globe. You'll never see it coming. The Russians said that they shot down every single one of them, and that's what they plastered on (laughs) Syrian-sponsored state news and on Russia today. They later amended it to say that they shot down 13 missiles. So, if I'm to extrapolate whether or not they shot down any any missiles at all, because Syria does have a rather fortified missile defense system. Oh, especially Damascus. Right. Where one of the targets was. I would be willing to bet... They probably shot down four or five. Yeah, makes sense. Still, those are very difficult missiles to intercept, these new cruise missiles they have. Right, and a lot of the missile defense systems in Syria, as far as I know, because I got really bored and looked this up one day, so I'm probably on a list somewhere, but they're... Russian-made. Some of them. Some of them are American-made. Oh, well, there you go. And uh, a lot of them don't actually destroy the missile. Like, it's not like you're shooting an explosive at another explosive. Right. They, it just, it'll disable the missile. Okay. That makes but sense. But with these new cruise missiles, they can't do that. So they've got to actually try and blow them up before they hit right. their... And these new cruise missiles are very agile mm-hmm. and, like, can change mid-flight and crazy technology. But anyway, I'm looking at the strike going, I don't like it because, well, number one, the logic is if we don't punish Assad... For using chemical weapons, then he'll do it again. I'm like, wait, isn't the last time he used chemical weapons and you bombed him? He did it again. After, he didn't learn his lesson. Yeah, but we only went after an airfield then. Right. And it's a lot easier to repair an airfield than it is to build a factory capable of housing these chemical agents. Because these chemical agents are non-lethal. Until they're mixed together. And they keep them separated. And they have to be kept separated in very specific containers. Right. Oh, and some of it. I don't know. With uh, sarin and mustard gas, I don't think mustard's been used. Uh, But with sarin, it's very difficult to do it in a military grade. Chlorine's a different story. Apparently that stuff's not that difficult to make. In military grade? Maybe not to the grade. Some militaries can get it, too. But chlorine is not as dangerous of a process. It can be very dangerous when used. But to store it, 
transport it, use it, is not the same level of sophistication as any other poisonous gas that people use on the battlefield. I don't know. We'll see. I'm like, okay, thank God there's no major escalation. The war, I think people, especially in these, like, we want everything happen at once. Microwave society, quick, you know, short attention spans. We forget how boring war can be. How? You notice how Germany's been rather quiet until it was officially st- sort of spring, now that they sort of don't have as much reliance on the Russian gas? Mm-hmm. Also, over the weekend, Ukraine pulled out of the CIS agreements, mm. which is sort of a post-USSR confederation of agreements. Yeah. Russia also has some trade agreements similar to that, but this is more like... Like, we won't attack you if you don't attack us thing. And Russia's just... They're obviously occupying Crimea. Well, yeah. I don't think we're going to get... Anybody's going to get Crimea back. Right. I mean, they had a 40,000-man strong naval base in Crimea before they even annexed it. It was pretty much theirs. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think... Maybe you get control of parts of Ukraine still under uh, siege. But I, I think they... Crimea is... It's this nationalism thing, man. Like Putin. Well, the, U- the USSR kicked Russians out of Russia. Well, I, I say kicked. Really what they did was they built factories in the USSR and moved traditional or traditionally and culturally Russian peoples. They moved them around the USSR. Yes. So they put a bunch of Russians, people that view themselves as Russians, in Ukraine to run, I don't know, let's say a concrete factory. Right, right. USSR falls. The people that were enjoying the wealth of the USSR, traditionally and culturally Russian peoples, are now stuck in Ukraine. They now have no money, just like the Ukrainians. And now you get the opportunity. Here comes Putin on a, sitting on a bear, right? being like, I could give you all that power. And we don't actually have to declare war. We can uh, send on people without any insignias or declarations of who they belong to into the country. We can support rebels. It's what the U.S. has done for years. It's the West's fault. Well, I mean, it's it's in my opinion, everybody's damn fault. It, th- there's all sorts of players in this. I get tired of that game, too. That if you, if it's either you hate Russia or it's America's fault. That's why Russia is behaving the way they are. It's either it's either the jihadist ideology of hate against the West, or it's the blowback theory that we've been there so we create more terrorists. I'm like, actually, it's a little bit of both. That Yeah, if you bomb somebody and they lose their parents, and then the only other people in the region are these radicals that teach you in these ways, and we'll get back at the guys who did this to you, yeah, you might have created the terrorist. But there's also that ideology at play. Mm-hmm. It just, it's it's complex. Uh, complex. It's a complicated thing. Yeah. But what I wanted to get to, and we'll do it after the break, is I kept saying, I don't care about Bill, you know, stupping. I don't care about Trump really doing that. But it's a common thread, not only in U.S. politics, sex and politics, but throughout all of human history, really. And I started watching a Netflix show last night because I'm hungry for 4K content. And uh, started watching Troy, not you. Oh, yeah, they added that. Uh, Troy, uh, how a city fell or something, the city that fell. And at first, I'm thinking of that movie that came out a while ago with Brad Pitt and how they essentially did it from a very modern, secular point of view of like, oh, yeah, you're going to appeal to the gods. No, man. I've watched two episodes now. This 
is like straight out of the Iliad. Okay. Like Paris is a farmer's son or a herder's son, and he goes in the woods to catch a calf. And while he's in the middle of trying to find the calf, save her from wolves, the gods just show up. And it's like Hera and Athena and Aphrodite. And uh, one of the one of the gods says, "Okay, take the golden apple, and give it to the goddess who's the fairest of all." And it starts a bunch of crap. I think Hera offers, "I'll make you the most powerful man on earth." Uh, Athena offers, "You'll be the most admired man on earth," and Aphrodite, of course, offers. And Paris, are she's like, "You've already, you already know me. You see me in your dreams." Like, oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, I've seen you. He's like, I will give you the most beautiful woman in the world. And he's like, well, I'm picking you. I mean, I would have picked you anyway, but if you're going to throw that in as a sweetener, I'm picking you. And it just starts all sorts of crap. I lo- That story, when you include the gods into it, is crazy. And it makes sense of things a little more uh, from a mythological standpoint. It's like, I don't believe the gods were actually whispering in people's ears, but the story is better that way. Yeah. Much better. Instead of Brad Pitt... Like, oh, oh, Apollo, chop his head off, no ramifications. No, 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 no. You actually get the message and the, I'm not giving too much away, but Agamemnon, before they can cross over into Troy, uh, cross the ocean, the wind keeps blowing inland, and the priest goes up there, and Artemis shows up, like in the flesh. Oh, no, y'all forgot to sacrifice sheep or doves to me before, uh, right when you showed up, you just forgot. So you're going to have to give us the purest dove blood. And the priest is like, well, I tried to slit the throat of a dove right in front of her. And and she said, no, not that kind of dove. So Agamemnon has to sacrifice by his own hand his own daughter, who is meant to be wedded to Achilles. And the reason for it, they, they're like, this is, why is this? How is this justice? It's like to show what the cost of war is. It's senseless, and if you really want to go to it, you must lose something in a senseless way yourself. It's like, whoa. If you leave that out of the story, I think the story is, and this is just, I'm pumped about it. But we'll have to hit a break here. Again, song of the day. Tide of Tears, The Parlor Mom. Just soak it in. Welcome back. 
I am a sucker for a good guitar solo. This song just... It just screams for you to step on an effects pedal. Yeah. Well, it's such a good, slow chord progression. You can do a lot. You don't even have to be that great of a player. You can do a lot on it. It's just, it's a song built for guitar play. Really good stuff. <sighs> but yeah, watching the uh, the whole retelling of the Iliad, and they're weaving in, I think they're going to touch on Odysseus and the Odyssey. Um, just seeing that presented from an sort of a fairly accurate recreation of what's in those ancient texts. How it goes even back to then. Like that whole war starts over sex. Pretty much. I mean, Paris can't keep it in his pants. And he gets tricked by Aphrodite, essentially. He doesn't get tricked. He had a choice. He had a choice. Would you want the most beautiful woman in the world to be the most admired man in the world or the most powerful man in the world? Am I... Paris in this situation? Yes. Having grown up, having had my life shaped by Greek mythology? Yes. I'm going to say, okay, hold on. Or just right now, let's not overcomplicate it. If somebody comes to you and says, I can make you the most powerful man in the world, the most admired man in the world, or give you the most beautiful woman in the world. Go away. (laughs) Good answer. That's what I say. And if I'm Paris, that's what I say, too. You guys are all a bunch of... You, especially you, Aphrodite, you saucy minx. Go away. (laughs) This... You make me choose with a golden apple. This is no. This is not. This is not good times right. in the future. Right. Well, I don't want to play your games. Or are you scared of being, you know, smited, smoted, however it is? Chances are, if I'm Paris, I'm already smitten with with something. Well, well smitten's a whole other ball game. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it goes throughout history. People using sex as wait. Well, it's often a way to criticize. But again, I go back to yeah. If you were in that position with billions of dollars and you had women who weren't even attracted to you, willing to sleep with you, you would really be on the up and up. All right. It's like people who go. The Nazis were so bad. Oh my God, who would ever do that sort of thing? It's like yeah. If you lived in that country. You probably would be. You probably would have been part. Maybe you would have been unhappy about it. You most likely would have, yeah, been complicit in some way. Well, towards towards the end of the war, that not the SS, but the rest of the Wehrmacht, mocked something, whatever the name of the army was, was kind of like, ooh, um, it's getting bad. I think we're the bad guys. <laughs> this is uh, that guy over there in the SS shirt is crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I think we're pretty bad. So, I don't know. I just... I look at the situation in Syria, which is really what I worried about all weekend, and there hasn't been any major response yet. Seems like it was a successful strike by the military standards. What would the response be? Right. I don't know. What are you going to do? But I think what's going on is because they're also keeping the troops there, even though ISIS is pretty much done. I think they some have to, people, they have to fund and train the rebels, right. which is just going to be ISIS 2.0. Right. That's the only aspect of Syria and Russia that I agree with. Yeah. But then he goes and gasses his own people. No, I'm sorry, I'm out. Right. Well, I think what Syria is going to be is part of people around Trump starting to make the case for some way taking on Iran. Because, I mean, Assad 
people saying Assad's a bad guy and this is the gassing your own people, it's a humanitarian crisis. There's some people who actually believe that, sure. But I think a lot of the hard-nosed players wanting to do more in Syria, it's all about the larger geopolitical game and the long war going on between, on one side, Saudi Arabia and the Arab countries and Israel against the Shiite countries or influence countries, in particular what's emanating from Iran. And I think they're trying to position themselves to uh, take on that fight. They think the fight's fairly inevitable. Though, I mean, there might be a way around it if you act big and bold enough and you threaten enough, but I don't see the Iranians backing down. Just ba- Again, it's that sort of... The, the cynic in me thinks that maybe if we just keep having war and conflict over there, they'll get tired of religion like Europe did. Hopefully. But then you, you sow bad you can't blood. Because there's, there's tribalism that goes back oh. thousands of years. Yeah. It's, and what's happening in Yemen's terrible. I mean, we mentioned the humanitarian crisis in Syria. Yemen's a huge humanitarian crisis. Mm-hmm. And yet it's like, well, they're the Houthis trying to take over things. They're being backed by Iran. we got to help the Saudis. Like, all right. And then you see what's going on in Saudi Arabia. You hope this new prince will kind of have so-called... It would be nice to see an autocrat do liberal reforms. And not just be a blatant hypocrite. Right. Like, if he, if he stepped... I mean, he's already stepped into power, and he's taken a couple people out. But if he stepped into power and he was like, Wahhabism is not going to be part and parcel of this country anymore, I would be like, thank you. Yeah. You are not a hypocrite. Yeah. I would love to see that. You, can, you call yourself a Wahhabi or a Salafist. I'm not sure which one it is. That Salafism is the broader umbrella that you then get a more extreme version of Wahhabism. Okay. Perfect. That is the ultimate hypocrisy to me. Oh, yeah. To be a Saudi prince, to live a life of luxury, and yet promote Wahhabism? Right. Well, it's a deal with the devil, to keep the devil of fighting other people and not you. So, yeah. I hope he upsets that. It's just... That's what I'm worried about, not if Trump slept with Stormy Daniels and his lawyer paid her. It is kind of... It is kind of like, really, dude? Wasn't Melania giving birth at the time he was sleeping with Stormy Daniels? It's pretty bad. Oh, I mean, I, it's just like, it's like, really, dude? It's just, I'll put it this way. I always I already thought of Trump in those terms. Yeah. Like, seriously. Listen yeah. to his interviews on Howard Stern from years ago. Yeah. The way he talked about his own daughter. But now he's the president of the United States. Yeah. It, th- there's a part of me that's like, please stop. Take, th- take the Twitter fingers away. Yeah. Like, I... I mean, I get it. But then, but then the crazy thing I never thought would work is like the North Koreans. They are, it looks like, and it keeps looking like it, there will be a talk in a meeting at the end of May. Mm-hmm. And if you denuclearize the Korean Peninsula, apparently what the North Koreans have told South Korea and China is that we can't figure out if Donald Trump is insanely crazy. Well... Is there any other way to be crazy? Or just absolutely crazy or brilliant? We can't figure it out. Mm-hmm. But if you denuclearize the Korean Peninsula by going to the UN and going, Little Rocket Man, he'll never do it. My button actually works. And that's what led to a breakthrough? I think everybody who's like spent their whole life being, say, a career diplomat and studying these issues 
deeply is just going to throw their hands up and go, really? I mean, I'm happy it happened. Donald Trump is the Pink Panther. <laughs> it's just like, ah. <laughs> like, you don't know. The world is Clouseau. Yeah. yeah. If Donald Trump ends up being Clouseau, like a stumbling, bumbling, probably getting a little more action than Clouseau. <laughs> May I pet your dog? <laughs> sure. Oh, it's ah, I'm, I'm, I'm lost for words. Mm -hmm. I really am. Who's this on the phone? Six shooter. Six shooter. Like the Vanity Six song. What's up? Hey, Joey. Hey, who's this? Six shooter. Yep, six shooter. What's up, man? Uh, well, you had me on hold since you mentioned the uh, you know, Joey uh, I did uh, Stormy Daniels playing around with Trump's wall. I gotta say, you gotta stop, Joey. <laughs> there's a, there's a limit to how much just we can take to listen to, man. What do you mean, she? No, I was just recounting what she said in this inter sixty minutes interview. Well, I know, and I'm just see. I was I was sitting here eating something with ranch on it. So as soon as you as soon as you brought that up, I was like, oh man, this is kind of ruined now. But. uh I need to change the subject, if you don't mind. Please. I uh, I wanted to know your opinion about the uh, the arrests in Starbucks with the uh, the two black gentlemen. Oh well, when I saw them, like, well, that's terrible, and that's obviously discrimination. Like, but then I saw like the response to it, and it just <sighs> like okay, maybe they're just protesting that local Starbucks. Fine, but like, just fired the manager. Come on, fire the manager or reprimand them in a very serious way. But then I, one tweet that made me just shake my head is it happened in 1958 in Montgomery and now it's happening in 2018 in Philadelphia. Like, no, no, it's not the same. The only common denominator is it's a, a restaurant with counters. <laughs> what happened in Philadelphia was not good and should not happen. And there you saw a lot of people in the video in the Starbucks saying, what are you doing to this, these two gentlemen? What are you doing? You saw people responding immediately, people videotaping it immediately. To compare what happened there, again, which shouldn't happen, to the Deep South Jim Crow culture is just asinine. Mm -hmm. It's very asinine, I agree. See, my thing was, I was okay with it at first, but then when I heard that the manager was let go, I said, okay, something's clearly not right here because... They were asked to leave. They didn't leave. That That's not a, you know, that's not really, I wouldn't say that's discrimination. You're not supposed to launder around in public places. Yeah, but so I've been to a Starbucks plenty of times before and not gotten something instead of meeting somebody. Fair enough, but. Why, I mean, why were they asked to leave in the first place? I, I guess because, uh, what was it, the bathroom, uh, to use it, you had to be a customer. That's the, what I heard too, but I don't. I don't have any problem with the manager being let go. Like, why would you call the police on these two guys that aren't acting up and who are obviously like we're meeting somebody here for a real estate deal? And I mean, if you have a business like that and your store's not packed, it's like, yeah, maybe while they're having their meeting, they'll get something to drink. I don't know. I thought it was just poor judgment on and the police too. 
acting very robotically when they got there. Yeah. Like, how can you not assess, talk to these guys, figure out the situation, and say not arrest somebody? I mean, it just makes their department look bad. You just go in and automatically assume something's wrong. Right, because well, you get the call. And you're not, like, you got the call, there's a disturbance, and they won't leave. It's like there's no problem really to begin with. Yeah, and see, see, that's the part that bothered me is the manager got let go, and I can see why that's okay because he he was a little overzealous by calling the police because that wasn't really a police matter. Yeah, because they weren't really, like you said, they weren't really doing anything wrong. It's just I kind of I hate to be the one, you know, not siding with the discrimination, but. I just kind of feel like if it was anything else, it wouldn't have gotten any coverage at all. But people are kind of, well, you know, probably you know, because it wouldn't have happened. Yeah, you know the bandwagoners, though. Oh well, sure. There are people that jump on whatever's the correct opinion of the day, and I appreciate it, Six Shooter. Really do. I mean, there are people who are like, <sighs> yeah, the, like like what happened in Montgomery? Oh my God! It's like the point I made about the Nazis. Like slavery was so awful. It's like, yeah, it's easy for you to say that now in 2018. What have you been living back there? And you had been brainwashed by the rich plantation owners that your life was going to get worse if the slaves were freed. Would you have actually acted differently? Everybody talks about now the Native Americans got a raw deal. They did. They did. did people at the time really think that? No. That's why they got the raw deal. And just, I feel like people are like, I'm so enlightened and progressive. And it's like, no, you're just, you're just lucky to live in a time where that's kind of the mass opinion. Yeah. You're trying to rewrite history with a worldview that's not compatible with that history. Yeah, not at all. And so I'm glad those uh, steps have been made. I actually do believe there's a thing called progress. I finished that book, Sapiens. I think I'm now going to go, I haven't decided. The Count of Monte Cristo. Maybe some other type of fiction. I don't know. That book kind of ended in a depressing way to me. Like, he's very... He wrote another book that I read a summary of called Homo Deus. And essentially what he calls for is the end of uh, individualism. We're going to be essentially part of some AI collective. Like the Borg. But maybe more sunshine and lollipops. That's... I'm like, I hate the Borg. Yeah, but just like, no, we could use AI and all sorts of things to enhance individual people's lives and bring them closer together with one another. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, it became depressing to me. Yeah, that sounds depressing. Yeah, I'm like, why is everything, and he started to go back to the old Malthus, Malthusian argument. There's only so many resources on Earth. I'm like, correct. There's only so many resources on Earth. What you don't seem to understand is that's not exactly what makes us rich. The creative process is what makes us rich. The innovative process is what makes people rich and why we have been rich for the last 200 years. It's not just the resources themselves. You need them, and if you use them all up, bad deal. But when you start using them up, guess what? The price goes up. You can't as easily use them. Right. And also, people innovate. There's what are this the peak oil theories? So we're going to run out of oil by this year, and then they find vastly more because the innovative process, the discovery process, has improved. And who knows what comes out of space commerce and these sort of things? And there's also the impetus to go out and find more. Right. Exactly. Especially when the price goes up because you don't have as much. 
So it makes a producer go, ooh, I make a lot of money. And then they go produce a bunch, and the price falls, and you go, well, we got to shut down a rig. we got to shut down a rig, but we won't give any money to any other alternative forms of energy because we know oil. Yeah. That's all we know. Well, and that's where I tip my hat to people like Elon Musk. Like, yeah, I'm all for alternative energy. Mm -hmm. Um, Where I'm usually against is like the political solution. We need a central global plan to fight climate change. No, no, we don't. We need people who care about this subject to get to innovating and figuring out how to solve the problem. It doesn't require, I think, a central political plan. Because we didn't become as rich as we are in the last, say, 200 years, through a central political plan. That's true, but it also presumably leads to a downfall. And you can sort of navigate through that downfall by holding yourself and others accountable. Yeah. Am I wrong there? Oh, no. The downfall in what sense? The overuse, too much carbon in the atmosphere, the overuse of resources. There's that, and then there's how businesses are sort of run today. With lobbying and yeah, yeah, how they go about taking over local governments, making it impossible for other businesses to grow, yeah, shutting down little startups. Some of that, I would. Some of that goes on, yeah. I think some of that will. It'll. It'll come back to bite them in the ass mm-hmm. later, and so be it. Um. But you can't rightfully expect a business to hold itself accountable. But they do. Like the Facebook hearings. It's like listening to those old men. Who didn't know jack squat about technology. Right. The problem is already being fixed. Because Zuckerberg and the whole team started to, the shareholders started to see that stock price fall and went, ah! We got to tell people what we did. Mm -hmm. What we did wrong. Mm -hmm. And we got to fix it. And they are going to fix it. And you don't need, I guess, what drove me nuts is like, we're not really going to regulate you, but uh, we might if you don't clean up your act. And then hearing the ignorance from all these folks who are supposed to, of course, they don't do it themselves. They get very smart people who work for them to write up these rules and to enforce these rules. They kind of are doing the broad brushes. But it's just, well, we're out of show. I just want some accountability, Joey. Some accountability? Yeah. If I hold myself to a standard, I would at least certainly expect others to hold themselves to a standard. I'm willing to adjust my expectations. Yeah. Why can't we allow business to do that? Because they don't. They've proven time and time again that they don't. Well, at the end of the day, I go, there are dirty rats everywhere. Dirty SOBs in every line of work. Religion, Business, government. Like, so what are the tools that those dirty SOBs use in those professions? I look at all of them and go, okay, government has the most potential for ruining people's lives and actually helping the dirty SOBs in business and in religion to do even worse things. Like when we separated religion from the state, it still did bad things, along with good things. They couldn't do it as broadly. And our big problem today is, I think, business intertwined with government. All the lobbying you talked about. 
what, what was it? Uh, Thirty-six of the, like, the forty people that questioned Zuckerberg had already received money in from to their campaigns before the scandal even came out.